Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, Justin? We made it. We are at the end of the 2020-2021 NBA season. Congrats on <laughs> making it this far. Congrats on the NBA right. for getting through this crazy year with a lot of controversy, a lot of just... Uh, just a very unique season, one one that hopefully we'll never have to see, uh, at least under these circumstances again. Yeah, true. It was great to be here. Uh, great NBA Finals, in my opinion. We'll talk more about that. Justin, how are you doing, man? Good, man. Um, second NBA Finals um, under the books, under our new era of Oopsology, so happy to see that and on today's show as you may suspect we're gonna break down um the milwaukee bucks winning the nba championship in pretty um somewhat dramatic fashion in a unbelievable performance by the greek freak so we'll break that down on some housekeeping notes um, we are a part of the off the glass basketball network so please check them out they have plenty of finals coverage and also um just find us um, on their podcast stream, we have plenty of great interviews. Um, we have Alicia Gray. We have plenty of great authors. Plenty of great content for you just to hold you over until um, the next season starts. And plus, we won't stop either. We have plenty of great interviews lined up as well. Um, so let's not waste any time, man. And let's get into this finals recap. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks um, win the series four games to two. They win game six, 105-98. Um, 65,000 fans. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Did you, do they call it, did they have a particular name for their fans there? I know Toronto have Jurassic Park. Do you know what their the Milwaukee Bucks fans are called in that, in their space or? Jeez, you know, I, I haven't heard a fan name. I mean, the main thing um, you hear is fear the deer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so I, I don't know if, if they have a fan term, I, I'm gonna have to research that. <laughs> um, I, I just want to say in this series, I think mean, I think that the number one thing that that stood out to me um, in this game was the poor performance of DeAndre Ayton. And I just want to ask you, Matt, am I being too hard on him in terms of just his performance? I mean, you see the numbers there. I mean, he had 12 points, but I mean, he had so many point blank shots you know, for easy buckets, missed him, and Giannis just destroyed him. So is this a thing where just Giannis is too talented and just, you know, there's no chance for DeAndre Aiden? Or do you think Aiden could have played better tonight? Just with this, this matchup between him and Giannis in particular. Well, of course, he could have played better. I, I think my take would be that he played like a young player this series. In yeah. some games, he showed flashes of brilliance. The talent is clearly there. Just the consistency wasn't, and I, I think it can be there with more more time, more experience, more development. I mean, much like Giannis was, you know, he's pretty new to the game. So I, I think it'll get more consistent down the road with him. I, I don't think the Suns should be worried about him at this point. He's so young. But yeah, you're right. I mean, his, his performance obviously was not good enough tonight, not good enough the past few games of this series to keep Giannis in check. I, I don't think anyone was expecting him to keep him in check. Just like, don't let him have a historic 50 point game like Giannis had tonight, you know, maybe slow him down a little bit better than he wound up doing. Uh, and unfortunately that wasn't the case. Giannis's potential. I, I see him and 
like Jeff Van Gundy said, it is this baffling. It's baffling to see him take a jump shot. I'm like, that, that's just insane to me. Since I just don't. I mean, granted, we've seen a, a little bit of resurgence of the big man, but there's no way anybody's going to stop Giannis. I just, it's just not going to happen. So to see him just not only destroy DeAndre Ayton, but Jay Crowder as well. I mean, him just have his way was pretty incredible um, in this series. So. If you did, so I'll let you decide, Matt, um, which team do you want to kind of tackle first? Because there's been a lot of questions about legacy, a lot of questions. I think it ties into the performance of this game as well, because I think through the quarters we saw, you know, it looked bad for Chris Paul in particular, the first quarter with his performance. Like he turned it on the second quarter, and then it's kind of a mixed match um, throughout the entire um, rest of the game. And like you, you mentioned, Matt, as well with Devin Booker, um, you know, he was pretty much locked down um, by Drew Holiday um, and his performance. You know, he, he seemed very frustrated out there. Like you said, of DeAndre Aiden, um, I think Devin Booker showed his age as well. So um, I guess I'll ask you, Matt. I mean, where do you, you want to tackle the losers first or do you want to tackle? Yeah, yeah, let's again? do that. I, okay, I think cool. there's more questions with uh with the bucks in terms of legacy and stuff like that with Giannis but um yeah it was surprising to me that Devin Booker just didn't have the ball in his hands more in this game there were a lot of times even late in the game where Booker was kind of held in the corner kept in check and sometimes didn't touch the ball through an entire possession and I just don't really know what was going on there that you have Jay Crowder taking a three pointer at a really <laughs> crucial point in, in the game and Jay Crowder getting the ball at the end of the shot clock, heaving one up from nearly half court in another possession at the end of the game. Some of that was uh, of course, great defense, which is another story that I, I don't think will be covered quite so much about the last two games is really Uh, an interesting defensive contest, something that I think we haven't seen in a long time in the finals, to be honest. This this felt like, mm, you know, circa mid to late 2000s in in terms of pacing in some of these games. And you see that play out in in the score. Um, But yeah, it's it's disappointing for Booker. I mean, you see he played 46 minutes this game. He, He certainly was out there is just whatever the game plan was didn't didn't work to free him up to take more field goal attempts and make more of a a dent on this game because he did get things going in the first half uh for a little bit there but uh completely opposite in in the second half and i i think you have to credit and this goes for chris paul struggles as well I, i think you have to give credit where credit's due the Bucks played physical defense. The Bucks gave a lot of effort. The Suns did as well. The the Suns played great defensively. We can pull up the team stats here. You'll see sure. that field goal percentages and all that different between the teams. Um, you know, free throws. The Suns are one of the best free throw teams in the league. Uh, I think Casey Kiernan, friend of the show, was saying that the Suns are on paper the best free throw shooting team in NBA playoffs history uh-huh. uh, based on their star players. But as you can see, they didn't get to the line as much. And I I know there are going to be people blaming the officials for that too. But I think if you look at how aggressive Giannis was, 
that alone was an indicator of, I, I mean, I think the, I guess what I'm saying is the amount of free throws taken was in line with the eyeball test to how often you saw the Bucks drive into the hoop and primarily Giannis, of course, but the Bucks were the more aggressive team, especially as we got into the second half. And I think that really made the difference. I, I felt like at the end of the third quarter, the Bucks started getting a little momentum, but it still felt like this game could have gone either way. The game was tied at 77 points each, and the Bucks were just more aggressive in the fourth. Helps to have, helps to be on your home court going into a quarter like that. Let me ask you a question. Um, you you mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks defense. Was that a factor in the Suns running so much isolation? I mean. To me, I just felt like their offense was stagnant. There was no ball movement. There was, I think they were playing really good defense with Booker, but I felt like they weren't running any sets to like to get him open. It was just let's run ISOs. Like that's not their game. So I don't know. Do you think that was more the Bucks implementing a good defensive game plan, or do you think there was just a meltdown offensively from the Phoenix Suns? I think it was a mix of both. I, okay. I think a lot of times. I think something was up with the coaching scheme, sure. you know, to, to go in line with where you're saying, I, um, you know, I, I'm not enough of an X's and O's guys. I I'd have to really go back and watch to, sure. to analyze that a little better, but I would say a lot of the times too, the Suns were pressing like, like they'd get the ball off of a rebound or off of a turnover and they would press really fast but the Bucks would be back on defense and, and they'd kind of have to reset. And then it was almost like this, this kind of halfway time where it, it looked like the Suns didn't have time to get a, to run a full set. They were kind of like in this, in this limbo zone, you know, and, and of course that wasn't every possession, sure. but you're right. I, I would hundred percent agree that it, it just felt like the Suns never really got in a rhythm. And I would say it didn't feel that way with the Bucks either, but Giannis just put it on his back. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think let's just get to the big elephant in the room, and that is Chris Paul. Um, there was just a lot of just, you know, you watch mainstream sports, a lot of discussion on what his legacy is going to be moving forward. He had 26 points. His play was up and down in the series. I think, just my opinion, history will look back on this series fondly on Chris Paul. I don't think he's going to take a lot of heat for this. Um, I don't see this to be a kind of a thing where this damages his legacy. I think it enhances it. Um, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, so oh, yeah. I don't, I, that's a lock. Um, wh whether or not he wins the title, I don't know, especially where the Hall of Fame is, where you, you see guys that, you know, you know honestly are not deserving of the hall of fame get in and Chris Paul so much above that threshold, a title's not going to really, um, I don't know. I think it would, you know, totally submit his legacy and kind of ignore all of those kind of blemishes in his record. But um, I, I don't think this series is going to be one of them. I think this will be kind of a highlight. I mean, they brought him in and immediately he had a massive impact on his team. So if anything, I think this will be a, a highlight on his resume. Um, what do you think, Matt? Um, despite you know his up and down performance, he may have some costly turnovers tonight, and along with Game Five as well. Um, but what do you think of Chris Paul's legacy? You know, after you know the Suns failed to get it done. 
I, I think you're spot on there. And, you know, let me also emphasize, he went to Oklahoma City last year yeah. in a move that was supposed to be uh, a rebuilding type move. I mean, almost uh, like like the Rockets had to give up a first round pick to get rid of Chris Paul's contract, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not mistaken. And he changed the culture in OKC and they were a playoff team. Um, and then he comes to Phoenix and he changes the culture of that franchise. So I think there's an easy narrative to build there where you see some level of greatness on Chris Paul. I mean, certainly level of greatness, like on par with a top five point guard of all time, which I think, I think he's in that top five pretty securely there. The question is, where do you put him? You know, if if we're playing the ranking game, uh, you know, is is he up there past Stockton? Is he up there past Isaiah Thomas? You know, um, might be a fun podcast for us to do this offseason yeah, sure. is rank some positions or stuff like that, you know. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I don't think this hurts his legacy. It's, it certainly doesn't for me. It, it enhances it. I don't think um, it, it's hard to imagine that if, teams are healthy again in the West next year. The Suns will be back here. I, I just wouldn't bet on them getting back to the, to this place. Uh, a, a lot of that also would depend on Chris Paul's health at 37 years old, which he will be uh, when the next playoffs start. So, you know, a, a great run. We'll see what he can do next year. He, I mean, Devin Booker is, is entering his prime. So he's still going to be a huge factor. Aiden, maybe even better. And if, uh, you know, I, I said in past episodes and and I'll stick with it, you know, if, if campaign stays around and continues to improve and can reduce the load for Chris Paul a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe they can work their way back to the Western conference finals or, or even the finals. I, the talent is there. I just, based on the odds and probability, I wouldn't bet that on them being here. Uh, but you know, I, I don't really want to hear talk about like Chris Paul being a scrub or like Chris Paul being a choke artist, that kind of stuff. It's true. There were turnovers and sloppy play late in, in some of these games, you know, game four in particular comes to mind, but I think we may also find out that Chris Paul has been playing hurt. You know, there's been talk of, uh, ligament damage in one of his hands. So he he may be being quiet about that. Um, I, I just don't really know as far as that goes, but he didn't look himself in, in some of the games. There's no question about that. But again, uh, at the end of the day, I don't think it tarnishes his legacy at all. No, I agree. Um, I think it's, it's an enhancement. Um, let's talk about Devin Booker. Where do you think he goes from here? I mean, I don't know. Stephen A. Smith's been really trying my patience with these comparisons. Um, ben Simmons with LeBron and then, you know, Devin Booker with Kobe. Just, I think, I don't know. The comparisons just seem asinine to me, but, but nevertheless, this is where we are. Where do you see um, Devin Booker going from here? We've, from what we've heard, he seems to be a very um, relentless competitor, uh, very driven. People call him an old soul. So I, I assume this is going to be something to motivate him for, for the next season and the seasons to come as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think sky is the limit for Devin Booker. You know, I, I think we said last time around, you know, basically I, I don't see him 
having the defense that Kobe did at times. Uh, Kobe wasn't a world class defender, you know, but but Kobe was a solid defender. Oh, yes, Kobe yeah, could absolutely. definitely hold his own. Yeah. You know, I don't think Devin Booker quite has that. Some of the shots that Devin Booker can make are awe-inspiring. He, he's got a ton of potential, and I think he's only going to get better next year. I, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Devin Booker putting up, you know, 40-plus point performances in the playoffs. Um, but what do you think of his potential? Um, I think his potential's bright. Um, I would say with him, I saw some kind of not alarming things, but him trying to create contact, he wasn't able to. I mm. think great players figured that out and and kind of imposed their will, and he didn't. So I think that's something in terms of him being like an elite player in this league. Great players figure a way to do that. He did not. So I think that's something I would like to see more in kind of a situation in which he is not shooting well. Everybody doesn't shoot well. That's when somebody, when you see bad shooting stats, I, I can care less about that. If a guy's traditionally a solid shooter and a solid scorer, um, you know, they're going to get theirs another way. And that's going to the free throw line. I think, like you said, Matt, the physical play gave him problems. And I think Milwaukee Bucks um, played really good defense on him. But, you know, with, with Booker, that's the responsibility is his, I think, to, you know, make sure he goes to the line and he gets those points another way if, you know, his traditional ways of scoring is not working. But he'll learn. This is his first NBA final. So I don't think it's anything to, you know, be too harsh on him. Um, I think this is a great learning experience. I think the future of this team is that they need another free agent. They need, they need another weapon of firepower because mm. this team, as it's constructed, if they're going to face, you know, a healthy Lakers, healthy Clippers, healthy Denver Nuggets, even a healthy Golden State Warriors, like you said, Matt, I just don't see them beating any of those teams um, next, next season um, if, if they're healthy. But, you know, especially if Chris Paul takes a step back, you know, yeah. getting getting older, which is dangerous to say this day sure. and age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think to add to what you said and something that kind of hinted at earlier, but I think also, you know, Kobe Bryant isn't letting Jay Crowder take some of those shots late in the game. No way. You know, to, <laughs> to refer to one of Devin Booker's idols. I, I think some of that is scheme, but I, I think he could have maybe been a little bit more aggressive in calling for the ball, demanding the ball in those situations, uh, making sure that he is handling the ball in, in clutch time, or if not him, at least Chris Paul, certainly. But I, I think given Devin Booker is the more talented at this point of the career between those two, and given it's late in the game and you're dealing with fatigue, you've got to be demanding the ball and taking over if you're Devin Booker. Like that, that's got to be Booker time. I wanted to throw this back at you because uh, I, I answered it a little bit, but what what do you think realistically the chances are? Like, let's say for uh, seeding next year, where or way too early projection, you know, pre off season projection. I mean, would you expect the Suns to be? top four this year in, in terms of seat, this next year in terms of seeding. I mean, it was a total surprise to everyone that they were the two seed. I had them picked at the six seed and that was, I thought very generous uh, at the start of this season and they surpassed my expectations along with just about everyone else. Uh, good question, guess, I mean, are they a, a lock playoff team first and oh, foremost? Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, they're I mean, especially with the planned tournament. I mean that that's I think that's pretty easy. Um I think they're top five within the conference. Um hmm. the Clippers just make me nervous. I I think they're I don't know. It's a situation. Sometimes the Clippers looked great, and sometimes they just, you know, look like a bottom playoff team. Um, I have to, I have the Phoenix Suns maybe five or six. Um, I think the thing with the Warriors, a healthy Clay Thompson with Steph Curry and Draymond, that's just we've seen that team, and they're they're going to be just a a top tier contender. And along with Jamal Murray and the Joker, that's another team there. The Lakers with Anthony Davis, even if he's hurt. Um, that's just an elite team with LeBron. So, I mean, with those three teams, you're you're talking and like you know they're around you know four or five within there. That's where I see them as currently constructed with Chris Ball. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. Um, did you want to move on to the Bucks? Any anything left with the Suns? No. Yeah, we can move on to the Bucks totally. Okay. So Suns will be back. Suns will be contenders next yeah, year. Sure. With the Bucks, so I, I think very impressive finals performance. First and foremost, a, a lot of heart, a lot of effort went into this. I know there's this whole thing on Twitter, Katie saying that the 2017 finals was much better than the 2021 finals. I mean, I guess She's I would so say, bitter. yeah. I mean, I Go guess I would say on like gold medal. Shut up, Jeez. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess like if you're looking at it from a collection of talent standpoint, maybe I could see his point. But in terms of, you know, competitive basketball, I, I don't care if there was a little bit less talent overall on the court. I, I think it was more compelling competitive basketball than we've seen in the last several finals. I, I would sure. say since 2016 when the Cavs beat the Warriors mm-hmm. uh, I, I in terms of competitive spirit. Uh, contentiousness, level of effort, level of defense. I, I think most competitive, at least since that series. Um, Giannis, of course, ends uh, in a closing game with 50 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, five blocks. Um, just an incredible individual performance to close this series out. And he had just enough around him between Holiday's defense that we mentioned. Chris Middleton had a couple clutch buckets at the end of the game, knocked down a couple clutch free throws. So they got it done. Um, I I guess, let me ask you with the same sort of question we asked, we ended on with Phoenix. How do you see Milwaukee as a contender in the East next year? I mean, is this basically much like similar to the Suns? I mean, are the Nets just going to reload next year and then, you know, the, this was nice, Giannis, but we might not see you back here for a while. Um, I think they're going to be a strong Eastern Conference contender. Um, I think, you know, the, the the team that's obvious is the Brooklyn Nets, right? With sure. Kyrie and Durant and James Harden. Really, they only need two of those guys because I think two out of the three with pieces around them makes them a championship level team. If they have three of them, then great. If they have two, I think they're still a threat to win the championship. So, you yeah. know, I, I would say the Bucks compared to the Suns, I think the Suns are mid-tier. I think because of the Eastern Conference, I would say the Bucks are still high up there. Just because of Giannis's dominance. I mean, it's just, no one can stop him. He, he's just, yeah. there's just not even close. And how versatile his games it is, it widens the floor, but 
um, his strength is in the paint, right? So because of that, I, I see them as still like a contender in, in the East for sure. And that one, two spot. Yeah. And then you have to also take into account that, you know, one of your contending teams, the top team in the East this year by seeding anyway, the 76ers are disarray. <laughs> maybe blow things up this off season. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I would a hundred percent agree. It's, it's a much better situation for the Bucks in the East. You really just need something to go awry for the Nets or, you know, a, a good series run against that team. And yeah, a, a much easier path to the finals there for sure. Um, in terms of finals performances, in terms of Giannis's ascension here. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive when you look and you see that he's 26, very young still. Yeah. He has a defensive player of the year, something LeBron doesn't have. He has two MVPs. He has now a finals championship, and he's you know just at the very start of his physical prime. You you would imagine, or at least most. Uh, career trajectories of of the great ones. This is when your prime begins. Um, where do you put Giannis right now, and how how has your opinion of him changed over the course of this playoffs and finals? I'm going to take a politically correct answer, and I would say, in terms of his place in history, to be determined. <laughs> I sure. think it's pretty sure. early. Um, I will say, in terms of my opinion of him, yeah, it has changed. Um, I'm really impressed with him in terms of his free throw performance. That tells me, I mean, look how he was through the line. I mean, spectacular performance, 67%, um, I think, through the series, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And you saw it in this game tonight, you know, he was pretty flawless. And despite, you know, us, you know, totally clowning him in terms of um, his free throw routine, it goes in. And that's a credit to him. And that's why I criticize Ben Simmons so hard is because I I think as a professional NBA player, I think if you're not shooting at least 60%, um, I think there's something seriously going on there. (laughs) I just think it's inexcusable for you at least not to shoot, I think, 50 to 60% minimum. And I think we saw with Giannis, um, him really improve, and I think that proved to be the, the deadly just um, knife in, in the hearts of of the Suns, um, just his free throw shooting. So, yeah, it totally changed my perception of him. And also him, you know, him getting hurt in the previous series, overcoming adversity, and playing great in this series, that's awesome, too. That's a huge feather in his cap. So, like you said, man, he has a, a lot of accolades. Um, I think... In this instance, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how his star power is going to be. And I think ratings play into that because you saw with the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors kind of came kind of out of nowhere just when they were first rising, right? Like no one really anticipated Steph Curry to be Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or Draymond Green. And I think once they're established, that's when you saw them become this juggernaut. I think with Giannis and I think Chris Middleton as well, I don't know if that's going to be the case. And I think that plays into, you know, his perception as one of the top players in the league, because when you're mentioning elite players, it's LeBron, Durant, it's kind of like Steph Curry. Um, And Giannis is mentioned, but I don't know. It just feels like he's not in those headlines there. So um, I hopefully his performance changes it. I think he was spectacular. It was exciting. Um, But Mm -hmm. I kind of get, 
to be honest, I don't know, this is going to be a little bit weird. I get a Tim Duncan vibe from him. Even mm. though I think, you know, in terms of his, uh, I don't know what you would call it, marketability, I think it's a lot better than Tim Duncan. But I just think in terms of being like a premier star in the league, I think there's others that might outshine him. And I think that might, um, I don't know, he might be overshadowed because of that. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, he's he's certainly not flashy like a like a Luka Doncic even. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, he's got explosive power, no doubt. He he's got those block highlights now, and yeah, he <laughs> does like two that. plays. Yeah, um, iconic. Yeah, I mean he he's incredible. He he definitely goes up quite a few levels uh, in terms of the the scope of history by winning. And like you said, I mean, he's so young. You know, we're gonna have to wait and see how things unfold, but. In in any case, I mean, I th- I think it's safe to say he's going to be one of the greatest power forwards or, or forwards of all time, based on this trajectory and and the progress he's made early on. So he, even if he doesn't win another title, if he keeps putting up similar production, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to argue against him being a top power forward. Uh, but yeah, of course, I mean, to scale, you know, the legacy of someone like Tim Duncan, you're going to need to win multiple titles at, at least. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's off to a fantastic start. Um, I guess in, in terms of Giannis's, the, the weight of this championship do you, do you feel this championship carries any extra weight for Giannis because he made that decision to stay there? He, I, I don't know if you saw, you probably saw this. Stephen A. Smith had about a three-minute segment. I, I retweeted it earlier today, just giving Giannis credit for doing things the hard way, like kind of 90s style, sticking it out with this team, not going to a super team. Do you give him any extra props for that? Considering I, when they yeah. re-signed him, he didn't have Drew Holiday yet, no. if I'm remembering that correctly. I don't give him extra credit because I think that means you have to punish Kevin Durant for his NBA titles he won with Golden State. And he was – I think he was finals – was he finals MVP for both of those? Kevin Durant? I know for um, one he was. Was he I for both so. those? Um, I'll look it up and see. But to me, it's kind of like if you give Giannis – credit for those I think don't you have to take away the credit for Kevin Durant's NBA titles that he won um, yeah it says two times NBA finals MVP so I mean he wasn't just a lackey on those teams he was two times finals MVP I mean he was the catalyst on that team so to so you me, don't buy the narrative that like a, a super team finals <laughs> is is cheaper than like a like homegrown, so to speak, finals. I would say if the performance, if Kevin Durant was played mediocre with the Warriors, so let's say he was like clearly the third best player and his numbers diminished and he's it was not as dominant, I would say yes. Mm. But since he was the best player on that team, it's just it's baffling to me that you would diminish those titles. Now I might seem like a hypocrite because you know, I wasn't cool with him going to Golden State. But at the same time, he was the best player on the team. And I, I don't understand that logic because it wasn't it wasn't like he was taking a free ride there. I mean, he was – I mean, even though I think with the, um, with um, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, granted, that opened up the floor for him. That is true. 
But at the same time, he was still awfully dominant. Um, he wasn't just taking a siesta there. So I don't like putting weight on championships. I think they have equal weight. Mm. Um, I think it's tough because, you know, I, I heard about Steph Curry and did, with Matt Kellerman. And he was like, well, you know, he's making all these different things about like, okay, Steph Curry doesn't get it done in the finals where you look at his numbers, they're still pretty solid. I mean, I don't, you can't really classify him as some kind of choke artist in the NBA finals. So, excuse me. So I just, I don't see that. How about you? Um, do you see things differently? Do you think this weighs a lot just due to Giannis's decision to stay loyal? Well, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when the history books are written, I, I think you're right in terms of like, you're going to see, X number of titles next to KD's name, X number of titles next to Giannis's name. I think presently in the moment, what it does and what Giannis has right now that almost no other superstar has or, or no current like multi-title winning superstar anyway has, at, at least not that I can think of, is likability. I, I mean, to me, this gives a feel as someone who's unbiased coming into the series, just kind of, I want to see a good finals. I love that, you know, Giannis made the choice to re-sign with the bucks, even though the future was kind of cloudy. He felt grateful to that organization. Uh, he didn't feel pressure to re-sign there, but he decided to do it anyway. I think he could have left the bucks or pushed for a trade. And I, I don't think anyone in mainstream media would have pushed against him doing that. Because they, they would say, eh, he's in Milwaukee. He should be wanting to get out of there. I think that is the um, the way most of the media felt about that. It's like, he, true. he should go to L.A. He should go, you know, whatever. He should go team up with Damian Lillard. He should go to Miami. Miami was a big one that was rumored uh, to be bringing him in. So I think the fact that he stayed and got a, a championship done there. Now, a lot of times... You know, like I just mentioned, Damian Lillard, you know, if he stays in Portland, like for the record, I want him to, there's a very real chance he never wins a title there. And you got to weigh that as a player and make your best choice for you, obviously. But I think, you know, Jordan gets a lot of credit for staying with the Bulls and winning his titles there in spite of adversity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a different league now. Um, we're just with free agency. Just the pressure of the, the title just means so much more. And I think with Giannis compared to Damian Lillard, I mean, as much as I love Damian Lillard, Giannis's game I think suits suits more to be a, a dominant force of changing the game. Like oh, with sure. Lillard, I mean, you saw where I mean, our buddy Josh was at the game where they played the Nuggets. I mean, Damian Lillard was spectacular. They lost that game. They lost, you know, and they lost the series. So it's just, you know, eventually they were eliminated. So I, I just think with your loyalty, it kind of depends on what position you play. It kind of depends on their circumstance, unfortunately. Um, and I think for Lillard, I mean, this is something we'll talk about another time. I mean, he'll probably need to be traded um, or him just to sign with another team if he's, a, you know, when he becomes a free agent, one of those two. Um I think to achieve that eventual dream that he has of winning a title, because I just think in Portland, unless something a miracle happens. I think that's not going to happen. Like you said, Matt, um, in that city. Yeah. I mean, I guess my, my point is that there is still a prevailing perception for, you know, basketball fans, like from the nineties, like you and I, 
that if you stay in your team and and you build it up your way, I, I think you do get a little bit more credit, uh, a little bit bigger of a, a feather yeah. in your cap, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and Bill to Simmons me, it, it makes credit, Giannis yeah. more likable. Um, yeah. Just just as a you know as a diehard basketball fan that wanted to see a good series, the fact that he did it that way sure. makes it a little bit more meaningful. And then you know those tears that he's crying at the very end of the game. Um, his constant praise of Chris Middleton for all the time that they've been together there in Milwaukee. It, it just seems like it carries a lot more weight than let's say the polar opposite. Like last year, I said it, it felt a little bit hollow that the Lakers won the title. Like you have, you get Anthony Davis, you win the title. You didn't really see like this big old buildup. You didn't see them struggling, losing to the Miami heat in the first round. Like the bucks did. You didn't see them overcoming obstacles. They just like plug it in 2k super team. Let's win the title. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I mean, Lakers fans, you're happy with that. and, And that's great. More power to you. But I think, in terms of relatable narratives, this this is just something that I was happy to see for the Bucks. And for the record, I mean, I would have been happy in the same sense for like Devin Booker of the Suns. Of course, Chris Paul, just because of his his long time spent in the NBA, not because of connection to that franchise. But sure. Um, and that was, I, I guess, to kind of sum things up, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this finals was just having two teams that I was honestly rooting for both of them. And uh, it didn't feel at all like I was rooting against anyone, which is different from series of, of the past few years. Yeah, I get it. I think both had a teams had a really good narrative. I think it was cool for me to see just two teams with bright stars of the league. Um, I think that was just really refreshing to see because the league's going through a state of transition right now. Um, you know, Chris Paul's older, LeBron's older, Carmelo Anthony's older, and now you have all these new guys entering the league. Even Giannis, who's twenty six. He's eight years with Milwaukee. I mean, he's still pretty young. So we're in a new phase of the league right now. So I think it was good for um, both those teams to have um, like worldwide exposure. Um, I have some notes, Matt. So do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? And I can, I can wait till after you're done. No, I was just going to ask you your final thoughts. So, yeah, if you have some more notes, please go for it. Yeah. So um, Isabel Gonzalez, friend of the show, um, she is covering the press conference of the NBA Finals. A couple of notes. Um, a reporter asked Giannis if he ever imagined winning the NBA championship. This is from Giannis. Quote, no man. I started playing basketball just to help my family, trying to get them out of the struggle. Um, and here's Monty Williams on Chris Paul. Quote, it's laughable when you talk about guys like Chris, who's had these unreal careers and yet they get penalized because they haven't won a title. And then um, in a very classy move by Monte Williams, he went into the Bucks locker room and congratulated um, Giannis and the rest of the Bucks as well on a, just a fantastic season. So something you never see from an opposing team coach. Um, that's something you'll probably see circulating all over Twitter and all over social media. Just those three notes I wanted to pass on before we just say goodbye. And I've, I'm so glad they talked about this a little bit during the broadcast today. I don't feel like it. I, I don't think it can be mentioned enough. Monty Williams is probably the classiest person in the NBA. If, if you haven't not you, Justin, but listeners, if you haven't personally seen his eulogy at, at his wife's funeral, I mean, it, it is 
heartbreaking for one thing, but it is incredible. I mean, Monty Williams, you're just an incredible human being. And, um, you know, I've, I really, uh, think that it is just a good exercise as a human to see how he handled that struggle in his life uh, and and the outlook that he chose to have on that, the example that he chose to set for his children in that moment. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get too off on a tangent, but um, you know, one of, one of the things that pulled me for rooting, uh, I guess, more heavily for the Suns than the Bucks was Monty Williams uh, being on there. In, in addition to you know this being maybe Chris Paul's last chance at a title, uh, obviously yeah. time will tell uh, on that. But um, yeah, two very classy organizations um, and and a great competition, great uh, final series to to end this NBA season for sure. And uh, you know, no rest for the wicked. We have the NBA draft next week, and then there's summer league, there's the Olympics, so um, plenty of stuff to look forward to. Even though the uh, main NBA season has concluded for this year. Absolutely. We are definitely looking forward to that. My Rockets have the second pick at the moment. Uh-huh. Rumors swirling. Are they going to trade up uh-huh. for to get Cade uh, with the number one pick, or are they just going to take Jalen Green? Seems like they're going to take Jalen Green. We'll see what happens. Personally, I want them to draft Mobley unless they trade up to get Cade, but um, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about. We'll have... Um, you know, so plenty of other topics to discuss. Keep the podcast entertaining over our, our break here from NBA action. So we look forward to chatting with you guys again very soon. For sure. And uh, check out our archive of interviews. Uh, we have Alicia Gray, who's already in Tokyo um, and getting ready for the Olympics um, and also a uh, guard for the Dallas Wings of the WNBA. Plenty of interviews with authors, um, insiders, um, just great content for you, like I said, at the top of the show to get you through the offseason. So for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodgen. We will see you next time. And congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Peace.